You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. If you're in private practice like me and you don't know what the hell you're doing when you start out, you probably don't know that you should be having a HIPAA compliant phone system. A lot of us use Google Voice. A lot of us use our regular old phone number. Some of us even go and get a second line at our cell phone carrier. None of those are recommended. I learned that the hard way. HIPAA compliant phone systems are really important in private practices. You want to protect your client information. You want to protect yourself. I've been using Spruce Health for almost four years now. I don't ever represent services that I don't believe in because I believe that's my reputation as well. Spruce Health is just a wonderful resource for private practice clinicians, group practices, medical practices. It's a wonderful resource to be able to have HIPAA compliant phone, text, fax, and telehealth. The faxing is wonderful to have. The telehealth quality is fantastic. You can schedule send messages. You can save auto responses. You can even charge clients via Stripe. It's really easy. They're a wonderful little company out in San Francisco. Their customer service is fantastic. Staff have the mission of not only making it easier for us as practice owners, but easy on the clients and making sure that their communication is protected. You can use a code that we've created called Podcast20, and you can get 20% off your entire first year. Go to sprucehealth.com. I highly recommend it. Hey everyone, you are listening to the All Things Private Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Casal, joined today by Grace Wolk. She is a Filipino therapist out in California, also a podcaster, doesn't want to admit it, says it's just a hobby. But Grace, I'm really happy to have you here. And I know that you mentioned you were having some like some fearfulness, some anxiety, some imposter syndrome around being on. So it's okay. And we're in this together. And like, I'm just happy to have you here. And we're going to have some really cool conversation. You know, when you first um, sent me the invitation to come on to your podcast, you could tell I made myself small and like, yeah, are you sure you want me on there? But um, I appreciate it. I appreciate having me on. And I was really looking forward to having this conversation with you and to seeing where it goes. So I'm going to introduce myself. First and foremost, I think the highest priority of my life is my family. Of course, my two boys, um, Gavin and Grant, uh, along with my husband. But my two boys, they are right now 11 and 9. And they, you know, just keeping up with their infinite energy and their playfulness and their curiosity of life and the world is my joy of my life right now. And everything else um, comes second to that. So I'm Filipino-American entrepreneur. I am a licensed psychotherapist here in California, like you said. I am also a Polynesian dancer, which is like Tahitian and hula. And I am now, I'm going to call myself a street runner. I mean, I'm not a fast runner or anything, but I am on this run streak that started out with a 30-day challenge. And then now I'm at 452 today. So Holy shit. Right. 452 days in a row. And I keep up with your social media stuff. So I've been watching it. I play soccer. I consider myself fit. I only run on Fridays and Sundays when I play soccer. And if I could do what you're doing, I would appreciate it so much more when I'm on the field where I'm like, (gasps) but anyway. 
Very impressive. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's like, yes, you're right. It's like running every day. Like it's not on a treadmill or anything, like outside. Like for the last 452 days, I have not been inside for the whole 24 hours. I've gone outside and got some vitamin D or rain or shine, snow. Like it's so crazy to even think about it too. Like I'm shocked at myself. So I'm I'm pretty proud of it. (laughs) Um, You should own that. I mean, you should be proud of that because again, like how many people have the discipline to do that? You know, everyone starts with the 30 day challenge, right? And then all of a sudden after 20 days, you're like, ah, screw this. I'm not doing this anymore. So you've done this for more than a year now. Yeah, almost a year and a half. And I feel like it's really life-changing. Like there is something about it that now it's like a part of me. It's a part of my life. Like I need to have it. I need to get it done or I can't start the day or even finish the day without going out for a run. So, I mean, we can totally talk about that more when we have time, but um, tell you more about myself. (laughs) So I, I, aside from my running, you know, I... I'm a lifetime learner. I have this constant hunger to learn more about the world and learn more about myself. And that includes my identity. So, you know, just exploring it and, you know, I'm continuously evolving. And part of my identity is based on my values. And one of them is authenticity, right? As cliche as it sounds, to me, being authentic is just always being genuine and true to myself. And so I kind of want to share something with you, if that's okay, Uh, something personal, and um, it involves you. Oh, I don't know what you're about (laughs) to say, but it's okay, regardless if it's good or bad. Okay, so um, it's just something that recently that has happened to me as part of, you know, being authentic to myself and as part of learning more about myself. And, you know, um, Patrick, I have always been aware of um, my short attention span, my lack of patience and attentiveness growing up, um, emotionally sensitive. But on the other side of that, I was a straight student, you know, really good academically. Um follow directions. I'm a goal setter. I reach my goals. So I never really thought about going a step further than my own self-diagnosed ADHD-like symptoms and never really took it seriously. And of course, there's, there was always an excuse or a, a reason behind why I behave the way I do. And, and we'll get into that with, you know, being uprooted from the Philippines to the United States. All of that plays a part in, you know, being under the radar. So I never really took it seriously until October 23rd, you had posted your own journey of getting a formal evaluation for your own diagnosis. And there was something, I read that post and I read it over and over and it just struck a chord in me. And it was, it was, it was so powerful, Patrick. And, you know, I mean, we've only met, like we met in Maui, briefly. And, you know, and since then uh, we started following and connecting with each other on social media, which is so great that we can connect with other people, even from different states. I love that about now, about the world now, but something about your post really inspired me to really go get my own assessment and just, you know, further learn more about myself. And so I did that. And, you know, when I was getting my evaluation, you know, how I just, I was just thinking, oh, okay, well, she's probably going to say that I'm on the border or, you know, just slightly on the border. But, you know, when my results came in, she said, I really scored pretty high on having that ADHD inattentive 
and hyperactive. And and like you mentioned on your post that, um, you know, I felt validated, right? But I was so sad. There was so much sadness. And um, I had to process all of that information for weeks. And this is so recent, right? And so I'm still processing it. And, you know, really thought about whether I wanted to share it with you today. But I really want to make sure I, I tell you about my story. And so now... Um, I think I've done, I like really buried myself into research and like learning more about it and um, accepting the fact that I am also now neurodivergent and it was just eye-opening. It was very validating and you're right. It's very disheartening because there's just a lot there because looking back now, um, looking at my life, it's uh, like I'm seeing it from a different lens now, you know, strangely and and seeing how much I struggled trying to be trying to fit myself in a neurotypical world. And, and no wonder I struggle because, you know, my brain works differently than everybody else's. So, you know, I thought I'd share that with you. I just want to, one, thank you for sharing that, especially in a setting where other people are going to listen to this and hear that. There's a lot of vulnerability and courage and the ability to just put it out there. And I just appreciate you naming that. And I'm wondering, you know, as you name that, have you talked a lot about this with other people? And also, what comes up for you when you just put it out to the world like that? Because I notice a shift in your body language. I know a lot of people aren't going to see you because it's just going to be the recording, but it's almost like a relief to be like, there's this buildup, right? This grief, this anxiety, this overwhelm. And it's like, but this is what it is. And now I can put a name to it and it doesn't have to have this power over me anymore without having to know what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, no, thank you. I'm, I'm funny that you noticed that because I really did put a lot of thought in it. And you know, ADHD, we over-prepare. <laughs> and I'm like, do I tell him? Should I just tell him afterwards? Um, but I really wanted to make sure that you had that impact on me. And and then that, that was, you know, we don't know. We don't know the people that we're reaching when we make, we create those posts. And um, I thought that was really valuable. And, and it has, you know, it's changing my life, right? Um, it just makes a lot of sense. Um, and there's just so much more to uh, uncover now. Um, I think that I think that it's, it's, you know, it's part of me being authentic to myself. And so I think just having the courage to take this space, to be authentic and just be me and fully own it is what I strive to do every day of my life. And it just makes it so much easier to just be me, right? I think that's exactly what you said you wanted to talk about today was taking up space, especially as a Filipino female identifying entrepreneur. And I imagine there's so often that you have to fit yourself into this mold of like how you're supposed to move in this world, especially in in the United States comparatively, and how you're allowed to show up energetically. And now recognizing there's this neurodivergence piece. Now it's about like, oh shit, I've been masking my entire life in a neurotypical world and having to show up a certain way in order to make sure everyone else is okay or that I feel like I'm fitting in, right? I imagine that feels almost even more intensified as someone who identifies in the BIPOC community to say like, not only was I masking to fit in in a neurotypical world, I'm also having to fight even harder and you know really be aware of how I show up in a world where a lot of people don't look like me. 
I mean, you're spot on, Patrick. I mean, you know, as as an Asian American woman, as a Filipino American woman who faces, you know, microaggressions daily, there's so much stereotypes that we face. You know, women, especially women of color, we just we just have steeper hills to climb and longer journeys to navigate our way to taking up space. So taking up space is so foreign. It's so foreign for most Asian American women, especially those who immigrated here. Because early on, you know, in our culture, we learned that we should be quiet because it's respectful. We should be obedient. We should be prioritize other people's needs um, over our own because that is part of our culture and it's hard. It's ingrained in us, you know, making ourselves small false in um, one of our Filipino values. Um, so, and there's a lot of like the stigma there that we will cover too. But yes, of course, feeling the imposter syndrome in our, uh, as an Amer Asian American Pacific Islander therapist is so much tied to our experience navigating the world as minorities. You know, being a person of color, the struggle of owning my identity, as I mentioned earlier, when the society in itself taught me to push back and mask my authenticity very, very early on in my first years of being in the United States. That is hard to unlearn. And that's what we are going through. Most um, Asian Americans are going through right now. And that's why taking up space, you know, you say that and it's so easy for people to say, yeah, you can just take up your take up space and use your voice and use the power of your voice. But um, it's hard when you have it's ingrained in you to to be respectful and to be quiet. Um, so I'm not saying it's not impossible. It's totally possible. I'm doing it right now. When we gather and we talk about our stories as our and our experiences as being Filipino-American, our stories are very different. You know, we are not a monolith. Our, our experiences are very different. But the thing is, there is um, this, there's this kind of like an umbrella. Even though our experiences are different, how we communicate and how we behave, we follow a certain values. And those values include, um, so some of the Filipino values that are stated in the very few books and research on Filipino Americans, because they're not, there aren't very many. We usually fall in the umbrella of like Chinese and Japanese research. Um, so there's not a lot and I'm hoping that will change soon. But um, a philosophy or a value that the Filipino Filipinos follow is the word kapwa, which is called fellow being. And it's, it means the sense of connectedness with other Filipinos. We just have this emotional bond that we feel towards another when we meet for the first time, even if we're complete strangers. When we see one another, we just kind of gravitate, gravitate towards one another. And that's, and that's such a great feeling to have, right? Just it's that feeling of home. And then the next one is called utang na which is um, debt of gratitude. And this one, it, it's um, individuals should be generous and um, giving to one another. So there's an expectations for Filipinos to be able to rely on one another but it also means you have to put others first before your own. And, um, you know, this kind of goes into like not thinking about your own self-care, right? That this goes into feeling guilty when, when you're taking care of yourself. So that is um, the downside of that. And then um, another one is hiya. Hiya is, um, it translates to shame. But the notion of this is that you as an individual have to represent your family in the most honorable way. 
and um, by being successful, by being a doctor, you know, by earning a degree. And this totally plays a major stigma on seeking help if you're struggling, right? Because seeking help when you're struggling means it's an embarrassment to the entire family. So sometimes people would rather suffer than make your family look bad or go to church and pray if something's wrong with you instead of, you know, reaching out to get help. So there, that's the stigma there. And then the last one I'm going to mention is called Pakekisama, which is social acceptance. And this is, you know, being able to get along with the community without creating any type of social conflicts. You know, staying in harmony is a value, meaning you have to conform to the group and not be different, which oftentimes keeps an individual from speaking up for themselves to avoid any type of disagreements, right? It's it's more like a collectivism instead of individualistic, right? Because here, you know, you have in America, it's completely different, right? Individual, you you are really on your own. So those are the reasons why there's so much um, stigma and barriers of seeking mental health and also taking care of yourself and showing up and taking up space to speak up. Wow. And those are really beautiful values. And I imagine that can feel really conflicting when the values are so deeply ingrained and embedded in in culture and, and who you are as a human being and ultimately can feel really polarizing when you're feeling like, but I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to take care of everybody else. I want to be me. I have to imagine that that feels unbelievably challenging in some ways, especially as an entrepreneur who's trying to show up differently than maybe what you were told you were supposed to be or how you were supposed to act or the aggression towards Asian Americans in our country and throughout the world. That has this other impact of I really can't be myself because I'm trying really hard to fly under the radar to be safe. Yeah. Running alone, right? When I run... I mean, when the whole 2020, the whole pandemic, Asian violence, all of that, I did experience a lot of, um, a lot of that while I was running. Right. And it's, it's stuff that I, I'm not surprised, but it sucks that it happens around me in my own home, in my own town, which is, it's really hard to deal with. And it's, and it's, and this is not new to me. Um, it's okay. can take as many breaths and space as you need. Flashing back to how how, why we tend to push our culture back when we started living in the United States, right? So at eight years old, um, I lived in the Philippines with my family and um, uprooted, was uprooted and moved to California. And, you know, if you remember yourself when you were eight, I mean, my son is, uh, you know, he's nine, but then I can still imagine him being eight and, you know, just imagine yourself being put in a whole new school with a whole new culture, different language and, and zero friends and people who don't look like you. How scary does that feel for an eight-year-old child? And I didn't think about that. But all I know was that I was always reminded how different I was. I did not look for ways to feel like I don't belong. There were, it wasn't me. I did not look for it. People made it known that I am different. So um, struggling with that is a whole masking of its own. Um, and, and, and I didn't know it for a while, but I remember, you know, there was only three, I think maybe there was only three or four, but, um, you know, third grade, fourth grade in my new school. And, you know, there was plays, right? We had plays like a Christmas play where um, I forget what play we were doing, but Rudolph we had, there was Rudolph and some reindeers and, and, and like children, Santa Claus, whatever, right? 
but they they said that it was uh, they said that this was a random selection that you know me Filipino and then another my other classmate who was Korean and the other classmate who was Chinese we were all um, the Rudolph and the two reindeers random selection they said cool yeah I'll be a reindeer whatever I'll dress up as an animal that spring comes another play of the gold rush or something and there was there were mules random selection who gets to play the mules and the donkeys so random right like what luck, how lucky I am to get picked twice to play an animal in a school play. So I didn't know it then, right? I didn't know it then. I know it now, <laughs> but crazy did not realize it until now that I'm looking back at it. You know, I didn't realize it then. I used to think, oh my God, I have such a freaking bad luck to have to play. How embarrassing for me to say hee-haw in front of the whole school. Right. And it it wasn't luck. It was racism and oppression and yeah realizing that now like yeah it makes me angry and yes I want to speak up and yes I don't want it to happen again but the sad thing is it is still happening and you know I have I have a big family and I have nephews and nieces and you know they're Gen Z's or you know they're a lot younger and you know I asked them when I was doing my research and I asked them about their their current situation and their experiences and it's the same exact thing they still get bullied they still get made fun of they you know what it sucks and it's sad and yes this is the reason why I'm here I'm speaking up because I want people to know that you are not alone and that you can get help and that what is happening to you is not your fault and that you know we're in this together and and you having me on here to use this platform to share my story, my experience, I hope can help others to feel not so alone as I did when I was growing up. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I'm sure it's very, very painful to bring it up and to still acknowledge that it still happens today and that you're concerned about your family and you're concerned about how you show up in the world as well and how other Filipino American and Asian American people are being treated on a day-to-day -day basis. How do you see this show up as an entrepreneur right now with someone who owns a business and is starting a podcast and is out in the world being more visible than maybe you've been told to be or even conditioned to behave in terms of the way society treats people who look like you? I use it as fuel, Patrick, right? I just use it as energy and fuel. And this is the reason why I want to start my podcast well, I started my podcast and it's coming together. You know, I have a few episodes and I, I'm going to be continuing to put content out there and I'm going to be having you on there. So I'm excited. Um, but I also want to balance my time. You know, I do have my private practice. Um, I do have my kids. Um, I am a full-time mom as well. And I do have my extracurricular activities. Um, so, and then now I have my podcast. So. <laughs> So yes, I, I do have like a, a full schedule, but I do try to balance it and I don't put any pressure on myself. Um, but the question was, how does this show up for me? Um, my answer to that is that it does, it shows up all the time. I mean, like, just like you said, right, it's still, it's still in my body, right? And that's what I teach um, my clients. When it shows up in your body, you pay attention and you greet it, you greet it and welcome it and understand it because right now, like when I'm anxious, I know it's, I'm anxious because I'm doing something big and I'm doing something different and it's out of the ordinary. 
and it's causing me to feel like um like impo- some imposter syndrome coming up but that's but that's that's how I'll grow. I need to just be okay with that discomfort because it'll only last a little while. I mean, I am kind of cold. My hands are cold and and it sucks that, um, you know, it's always hard to talk about your own story. I mean, I don't have any problems talking about it with my therapist, but, you know, now I know this is going to be like, out in public. Uh, yeah, it, it, it takes some time to kind of get used to, but it's small steps, right? And I like to, I, that's what I like to encourage people, you know, just a little, one step, small steps um, could make such a big difference. Kind of like my running, right? You take one day at a time and now all, all of a sudden it's like 450, holy cow. Okay. <laughs> um, days. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm just much more aware now of why I behave the way I do, why I show up the way I do, why I fear showing up sometimes. I'm not afraid of being, uh, what is it like? I'm not afraid to show up. I'm sometimes afraid of not being seen, right? Hmm. Like you do show up, you put yourself out there, but who will listen to me? But, you know, I'm okay with that now because at least I'm putting myself in the arena, like Brene would say, like you won't, you wouldn't, you can't grow from staying in your comfort zone. So that's, that's, that's where I'm at. I'm I'm practicing. I'm I'm staying small, keeping it small, small steps at a a time and um, hopefully making some ripples. I love that. Seems like a really powerful metaphor or kind of comparison. And I would say what you're doing feels to me to be very courageous and very brave to be on something where you feel really overwhelmed and anxious and vulnerable to just be able to talk about something that isn't often talked about, knowing that there's going to be an audience for it. And I think that's the scary part sometimes is how is this going to be received, right? How is this going to be viewed and what are people going to think? And it sounds like you're working really hard to say, fuck those people. I don't care as much anymore. And I'm allowed to take up space and I'm allowed to show up in the arena and I'm allowed to take these steps towards really embracing and embodying who I am and feeling proud about who I am and how I've grown up and how I show up. You said it. You said it all. Exactly. I really applaud it. You know, I I applaud it very much. And like you said, very different approaches, right? This is my home base. I feel very comfortable. I feel very calm. And then when I step outside of it, there's a lot more vulnerability here. There's a lot more that I may have to endure and and deal with in terms of how society sh- shows up and views me. And I just want to say that I really applaud you for for naming it and talking about it, even if it's really fucking scary. You. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. Thank you for acknowledging that. Yeah, insecurities that comes up, um, being a minority, being a person of color. Um, there's definitely a lot there. I mean, I've just only barely scratched the surface, but you know, I just I just want to encourage um those who are who resonates with my story to to really um, you know, use your talent, your influence, um, and take up that space at your own pace, right? No one's telling you to just go and change the world just do what you can right because you know like i said the small movements will create big movements this i mean the small stuff will create big movements and um i always think about like how when i'm dancing right in hula how we learn tiny steps and then we put it together and then it, even with the, the entire group together how synchronized how amazing it looks when it's all put together um that's how i 
that's how I see it. That's the metaphor I always visualize when you, when you take little small steps into creating big movements and then becomes powerful. So I love that. I love that. And I always like to encourage people to just let your uniqueness just stand out and, and not blend in because, uh, you know, I have a lot of work to do too. Um, I'm still working on myself. There's so much to learn. There's so much um, history about the Filipino culture that I am still learning and I am still, you know, seeing a therapist for my own growth. And um, so, yeah, that is where I'm at. And I can only just show up as me. And that's the best I can do. That feels like a mic drop moment to me where <laughs> those are just so wonderful. I worry about that. I worry about that. Me like just. No, I think it's like very powerful and also really important to just acknowledge what you just said, that it is small steps, putting it together, how it creates power and it can create this ripple effect, which can then create this wave, which can then probably create this like this intense reaction of just reclaiming. And I think that sounds really beautifully said. And I like the comparison to hula and anything where you have to train and, and be intentional and start off small to where you can see it come together. I think that's a really good analogy of how a lot of life works. So I just want to, you know, again, applaud your boldness and your courage here. And I really think that this can help a lot of people when they listen to your story and just get a good understanding of the fact, like you said, it's okay to be creative. It's okay to be you. It's okay to take up space, even when it feels really scary. I want you to, you know, obviously tell the audience where they can find more of you, but I just want to say, do you have any suggestions or advice for anyone else that's listening that may really resonate and who may connect with what you're saying? Yeah, I think that, again, you know, just practicing taking up space and, you know, it may sound silly, but you like when I say start small, I mean, really start small. Like if you want to practice, just practice it around your friends, right? Or with your family, when you ever feel like you want to say something, um, just say it or like when you, you are kind of hesitant to kind of to say something, right? And then also um, what I like to do is I like to just really practice mindfulness, breathing. And when I'm scared, I really expand my body and breathe into that fear because, you know, fear is just excitement without the breath, right? Uh, I'm sure all therapists knows that. And I just, that is ingrained in me. It's like when you hold your breath, your excitement turns to fear. So just remember to breathe because breathing is just an amazing thing that we all can do. And that like, relieves a lot of your anxiety, a lot of fear. And believe me, I did a lot of breathing right before this podcast because Patrick, you know, you know, I was like, hmm, I wonder if it's going to reschedule. Maybe I'll get another day. <laughs> I even asked him, like, oh, I wonder if we're going to have the interview today. But um, yeah, so definitely just really just practice taking up space um, because it'll then turn into just something that is automatic for you. And, you know, I, I do encourage you if you're thinking of, being a therapist, I, like I, I do want to see more Filipino therapists out there. There's not a lot of representation. And I think that also didn't help me in the beginning of my career because I don't see a lot of Filipino therapists and I get really excited when I do. And it's, it's just so nice to, you know, see people that are, looks like you, right? That looks like me. <laughs> it's just more comforting. And, and, and you know, it's, it's a human need to feel safe. And when you see someone who looks the same as you, it's, it's safety. I really, really love all of that, especially the 
fear is just excitement without the breath. I think that makes so much sense. So I hope everyone can take that in and take that breath and then put that out there to the world. Because the opposite, if you hold it in, you hold it back, I feel like you're not moving through the world the way you intend to or in a way that feels authentic to you and genuine to you. And it seems like you're really moving into that space. And I, I really respect that. Do you have anything you want to share with the audience about where they can find more of you or what you're offering, including your podcast? Because even though it feels like a hobby right now, you're uh -huh. still taking those small steps, right? To just yeah. even start it, to even yeah. get out there. So that is hugely important because we have to start somewhere. Yes. No, I do. I do love my podcast. It's um, it's called Own Your Journey Podcast. You can find me on Spotify and um, and Apple and anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. Um, I'm there, Own Your Journey, Maria, Maria Grace Wolk. And you can find me, uh, more information on my website, mariagracewolk.com. And um, follow me on Instagram. I am there at mariagracewolk.com. I think it'll be on the notes, right? So I don't have to spell it out. But just one last thing too, um, I'm all about practicing mindfulness, self-compassion too. I, I love teaching that in my practice. And so, and I do it for myself. I did a lot of it in 2021 because in 2020, you know, we were all burnt out. And 20.21, I had set the intention to, to really focus on self-care and self-compassion. And that is the reason why I sought out the diagnosis, but like practicing self-compassion, right? To be able to be the therapist that I am and the leader that I want to be or that I can be, I have to embrace every, every intersectional part of me, every flaws, every diagnosis, <laughs> everything about me. And I, I'm going to own it and I'm going to um, lead by example and I'm going to take up space. And I hope you do too. And thank you, Patrick, for giving me this space to take up. <laughs> You're so welcome. And that's such a beautiful ending statement for everyone to listen to. I hope you can all take that in and to just own every part of you, like was just said, because I think that's really important. The parts that you might feel a little insecure about, the parts you might feel some shamefulness around. And that's how we kind of reclaim that power and we don't allow them to control us anymore. So I just want to thank you for coming on and everything that Grace just shared will be in the show notes so that you can find the information easily. If you want to find more of me, go to allthingsprivatepractice.com the All Things Private Practice Facebook group, new episodes of the All Things Private Practice podcast every Monday. Download, like, subscribe, and share. And it's really great to have you on here. And we look forward to seeing everyone next Monday. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.